0: The Reserve Bank published its biannual monetary policy review this week uh, and it's all about assessing the data to get a better understanding of the road to economic recovery in the aftermath of COVID-19 and the induced uh, shutdown uh, of the economy. The NPR is published twice a year. It's aimed at broadening public understanding of the objectives uh, and conduct of monetary policy in the country and it covers both domestic and international developments that affect monetary policy. And uh, what stood out for me in uh, the over 70-page document is this following excerpt. Over the past decade, South Africa has added more debt relative to GDP than any top 20 emerging market except Argentina. And Forecasts indicate that South Africa will also be growing debt by more than any of these countries over the next two years. While the 2009 starting point for debt was low at less than 30% of GDP, a decade of debt accumulation has raised that number to 63.5% as of uh, the most recent fiscal, which is likely to become 81.8% this year, pushing South Africa well above the broad emerging market average of 63.1%. Well, to discuss the review and our road to recovery, I'm joined now by a trio of economists. uh, George Glenos, co-founder, director and head of research at ETM Analytics, Annabel Bishop, Chief Economist at Investec and Heku Pinar, Chief Economist at the Bureau uh, for Economic Research. Heku, kick us off. The Monetary Policy Committee has cut rates by 275 basis points since the start of the COVID-19 crisis. It's one of the largest responses in the emerging market basket and we've seen uh, big effect uh, shocks. But so far, largely this hasn't translated into higher inflation. Thankfully, what does the report say about future inflation expectations in the country?
1: Well, yeah, so I think perhaps to start, um, it sort of acknowledges that the progress we've made on keeping inflation in check in keeping inflation expectations uh, in check well below the the 6% upper band of the target, in fact, uh, closer to the midpoint of that target, that provided a lot of scope for the Reserve Bank to be aggressive in reducing interest rates uh, during this, this crisis. So I think we should acknowledge that the, the progress we've made on uh, bringing inflation down uh, pre-COVID provided a lot of scope uh, for us to now respond uh, to COVID on the monetary side. And then in terms of, of the outlook, uh, while well, it's set to remain uh, quite benign, we're probably close to the bottom of inflation. But in terms of the Reserve Bank's outlook, on it, even on a two-year view, we sort of get back to around 4.5%, so that midpoint of the target. So still expected to, to remain well under control.
0: Annabelle, it doesn't pass notice that the historical trend for the Reserve Bank has always been to overestimate the impacts of inflation into the future and us underestimate the downside risks. Is this pattern still in play?
2: You know, I suppose there's, you know, the, one of the things that um, are against that is that there's going to be a base effect for next year. I mean, obviously inflation very low this year, both because of the collapse and, you know, oil prices, obviously the demand pressure, also of course as well, the changes to the calculations during lockdown period. And so, you know, the reality is yes, that um, they may um, overestimate it again. Of course that's partly been to the fact of the underestimation of the very weakness of GDP economic activity of the past few years. But nevertheless, we buy into the likelihood of inflation returning to, about four and a half percent over the next couple of years. And of course, remember as well, we like it to have substantial upward pressure coming from state controlled prices. And of course, that particularly includes electricity. And, you know, obviously, there's a lot of changes that Eskom is looking at as well
0: and uh, that was a strong message to come through in this monetary policy review george to bring you in there the the concerns expressed about the impacts of not only administered price increases but the lingering effects of load shedding this being the worst year for load shedding despite uh, the economy being shut down for uh, well over three months
3: yeah and and i think that's a a major concern we were as as part of um, the round table discussions that we've had with the Reserve Bank, we were also presented to by the CSIR, which uh, did a deep dive into uh, the outlook for electricity production and Eskom and, and uh, all the challenges that they face. And it was very clear that we're going to have these electricity constraints with us for a number of years still. So this is, uh, this is obviously a, a, a headwind that we can quite uh, easily do without. Um, but I think you know there, there was a lot. Uh, you know, Eskom aside, uh, there, there, there was a lot going wrong with the South African economy long before this COVID thing. COVID has just exacerbated a lot of what was already in play, and I think you you were quite right in the way that you pointed out uh, in your introduction that um, um, there has been a lot of focus brought by the Reserve Bank onto the fact that there are rapidly rising debt levels that. Yeah, they can do as much heavy lifting as they can, but uh, ultimately the the solution for South Africa's uh, future prospects rests with the fiscal authorities, not necessarily uh, the Reserve Bank. So, Reserve Bank has done probably as much as they can can possibly do at this stage of the game. Um, going forward, uh, we're going to need uh, an equal and and if not more powerful response from from the fiscal authorities to make sure that what we've got left is is something that's sustainable in the future.
0: And that message uh, came through loud and clear and I think the Reserve Bank and the Reserve Bank Governor have been making this point uh, for the last 24 months at least that monetary policy can only do so much. It's over to uh, the, the, the fiscal side of the economy and what we need to see is not only uh, a cutting of uh, expenditure but also growth-led reforms um, and if one were to look at the the confidence that might come out of some of the high frequency data the one thing that um, uh, jumped out at me was that we're going to see in Q3 according to the Reserve Bank uh, quite a big rebound, it's now tracking at 45.2% once again relative to a very, uh, I mean a record low quarter in the second quarter Uh, but still it looked like a lot of the high frequency data seemed to be surprising on the upside is there reason to believe that our economic recovery might be a little bit swifter than, than some more pessimistic uh, views of the market?
1: Look, I think certainly relative to, let's say, two, three months ago, I think there's little doubt that the third quarter um, forecasts are being revised up. This, of course, is not just uh, a South African story. Globally, the data coming out for the third quarter um, has been quite strong. So let's say this, uh, you know, we sometimes refer to it as the the reopening phase. The reopening phase of the recovery globally and South Africa is tracking quite uh, robustly. So I think 45% is well on the cards um, for for Q3. But of course, you know, there was always going to be this recovery of the basically nothing in, in the second quarter. The question now is how sustainable is that? And I mean, I have little doubt that f- the fourth quarter, you know, after this initial jump, uh, you're going to see a, a, a sharp moderation once again. So, uh, and then I mean, the question comes in, you know, how how does one sustain uh, this recovery? And um, I think, uh, you know, there's little doubt that that yes, we have to look to the fiscal authorities, but we also have to look to to broader government, right? And and that's where your reform story comes. Comes in, so I think our fiscal problem. We have a dual problem. We we spend too much relative to the revenue that this economy can can generate. Um, so we need to fix the expenditure side by spending less. But we certainly also have to do something on on the revenue side. And in th- this poor economy, you can't do that through raising taxes. The only way I think you're going to get the revenue is by um, by doing the structural reform, so boosting growth, and through that, uh, hopefully generating uh, more revenue.
0: And uh, looking over the medium term, Annabelle, uh, growth expected to average 3.9% in 2021 and uh, 2.6 for 2022 respectively. They sound like good numbers but because we're talking about statistics and base effects here that still doesn't take us to the output that we saw in 2019. So we're still structurally left with a, a far weaker economy over the medium term unless we see some of these economic reforms. Is there anything that you're tracking at Investec that gives you confidence that we're starting to see an acceleration of reforms considering we've just had the invitation to um, uh, to apply for spectrum we've just had the 11,800 megawatts of new power that's been procured and uh, there does seem to be some degree of confidence building up around the MPA following the last few weeks
2: Yes and of course as well there's also the uh, examination of the um, expropriation of the compensation, of course, you know, looking to lease farmland to many who obviously desire to farm in South Africa. Maybe I'd say partly this is a little bit too little too late. You know, these reforms were expected to be made in um, 2018 when Sir Ramaphosa became president. So too, of course, fiscal consolidation was expected to have kicked off there as well. And of course, if you look at foreign disinvestments from South Africa, you know, you the huge portfolio sell off that we're seeing on the bond side, you know, the, that, that's really been exacerbated since even 2018. And of course, you know, it talks to the fact that that um waned quite quickly. And of course, you know, the, the necessary reforms didn't actually come in place. So of course, now putting these reforms through, obviously, is very, very necessary. But I think we need to bear in mind, they're not gonna have an immediate instant impact. And of course, you know, obviously are going to take a couple of years at least to start really bearing fruit. And of course, as well, you know, if you look at the electricity sector, it takes a while to obviously, you know, affect the build where needed. Clearly, there's a small amount that can come online quite quickly. But it is, of course, insufficient as well. So, of course, you know, we are checking, tracking these developments, and that does give rise to some small optimism. Of course, you know, the biggest issue really for South Africa from a governance finance point of view is, of course, South Africa's creditworthiness. And this massive ballooning in our mm. government debt talks not only to credit rating downgrades and, of course, substantially higher borrowing costs in South Africa, but also talks to, as well, this very strong negative attitude from foreign investors to South Africa, this very strong disinvestment, and, of course, you know, foreign yep. investors even talking about the Necessity of South Africa seeing an IMF adjustment, having the IMF adjusted, because they are looking at South Africa's finances and saying they are wholly. Um, so we do I want to use you know that they're not going to be able to um, be sustainable and of course as well you know the, the big risk going forward is that a lot of them don't even believe this active scenario is actually achievable
0: and that's uh, evident George in the bond market at the moment if you look at that spread on the the short-end monetary policy is keeping uh, yields quite low and on the long end uh, you know borrowers are just saying they don't trust South Africa to repay if you look at where it is at the moment uh, I want to focus a little bit more on the monetary policy side of things uh, and where we're likely to see the effects of this 54-year low uh, prime rate on consumer spending. We're already starting to see it come through in things like uh, mortgage applications. Uh, Is it still too early to say whether or not it's going to have a big impact on consumer demand?
3: No, look, it it, it will have an impact. Um, Lower interest rates usually uh, tend to to have a positive impact. But it, it does get blunted, and it gets blunted by the fact that we've got a very weak economy that's uh, found expression in high levels of unemployment, in household uh, finances that have become a lot more distressed than they were. Uh, So, you know, what you find is that much of this monetary easing um, at at some level is is first and foremost going to ease the pressure on households and businesses. quite a long way before it, it actually has any stimulatory in, impact. Um, for, for that to happen wholesale, uh, you've got to allow households and businesses to stage a bit of a recovery. They've got to stabilize their balance sheets and their income statements, uh, learn to live within their means. And then by all means, you start to get the effects of that. So there's, there will be a lag. And in this particular instance, I suspect the lag is going to be a little bit longer than uh, what the what the uh, Reserve Bank had in its in its monetary policy review, they were talking about uh, seeing some of the effects of this coming through around mid 2021. I think we might need to be patient on that front, and uh, uh, you know that that's all that's all premised on the idea that the the government doesn't raise the tax burden, uh, which uh, you know as we've been talking about, they they may very well be forced to do. Uh, I suspect that at some level uh, there's going to be an an element of austerity uh, that that, uh, gets imposed on on the South African economy, which again um, to some degree helps offset uh, the the positive effects of the lower interest rates. So it's a challenging time going forward. I mean, the kind of recovery that we're looking for is going to be multi-year. We don't think we're going to be anywhere near um, 2021 or 2022, anywhere near the levels that we saw pre-COVID. Uh, we think that it takes quite a lot longer than that, and South Africa's still got many structural issues that it's got to, to, to work its way through. Um, we don't, I, I mean, for example, I don't even know where to start, Michael, but I mean, we've got unfunded liabilities that sit uh, off the balance sheets, off government's uh, the, uh, balance sheets, which, which aren't even accounted for in some of these already horrific numbers yeah. uh, that that needs to be absorbed at some level uh, there's there's going to be the need for levels of austerity the likes of which south africa hasn't seen if they don't uh, deploy it this coming uh, budget it's certainly going to be in in the, the the budget that follows and the one after that so south africa is in for a long hard slog and and the only way that that we're going to be able to get around this is not just through the lower interest rates that will help at the margin Uh, But it's through wholesale reform, and unfortunately that's going to be quite painful up front.
0: Heku, just as we round off ahead of that uh, medium-term budget statement uh, in a couple of weeks' time, it does look like uh, this review has given the Finance Minister enough ammunition to start introducing uh, some level of austerity in the budget, at least uh, to take heed that uh, raising taxes is not what this economy needs right now. If you were the Finance Minister reading this, uh, what would be your biggest concern?
1: Just to quickly comment on on the taxes versus expenditure, I mean, I think the let's just first say that there's a lot of international literature that suggests people like Alberto Alessini that suggests that um, if you want to, if you have this type of situation that South Africa is in, uh, you do less damage to growth by consolidating through expenditure cuts as opposed to tax increases. And I think that's exactly, if you look at the supplementary budget, what the Treasury is suggesting. So they're talking about 40 billion rand worth of tax hikes over the next three years, which is not nothing. But I mean, if you look at what they're thinking on expenditure cuts, I mean, it is is over 300 billion rand. So it's clear that they are already on this page that you need to consolidate through expenditure cuts, as opposed to tax hikes. The question I still have is: um, Is the broader cabinet actually buying into those uh, uh, expenditure cuts? Because I mean that um, those are going to have a significant impact on um, on the the strength of our recovery. One would thought, one would think. Yes, there is a debate about the fiscal multiplier in South Africa. And if you say the multiplier is quite low, then presumably if you cut back on expenditure, then it would not have such a uh, detrimental impact. But I think it's inevitable that it, it, it will. We need to do it, but the, the, the complication with that is it may uh, push us back in terms of our recovery prospects.
0: Heku Pinar, thank you very much, Chief Economist at the Bureau of Economic Research, who is joined on that panel by uh, George Glenos of uh, ETM Analytics and Annabel Bishop, Chief Economist uh, at Investec, running the rules through the latest uh, Reserve Bank Monetary Policy Review. Uh, It's uh, something of uh, a novel that should be filed in the horror category in the library.